Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. The last time I spoke to you, I was sharing with you on standing firm in the storm. This morning, I want to share with you on staying strong in the storm. And this coming together to recognize that regardless of circumstances, the presence, the power, the promises of God are always at work in and around us is an amazing biblical truth we must learn to grasp. So turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We read these final words of the Apostle Paul from verse 13 onwards. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 13, But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. If anyone does not obey our instructions in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him, so that he will be put to shame. Yet, do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we recognize the Apostle Paul writing these greetings with his own hands and speaking to the church, spiritual truth and spiritual life. And so this day, we ask of you to open our eyes once again to behold wonderful truth out of your word. And sincerely, we ask once again that we will be not just hearers of your word, but doers also that we might grow thereby. We thank you in Jesus' magnificent name. Amen. William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce was a young member of parliament in the British parliament. It was in 1790s where he was championing vigorously for the abolishing of slavery in England. One night, he got very discouraged. It was a 10-year-long battle and he felt defeated. He felt it wasn't going anywhere. And so with his latest defeat, he sat down in his home. The only comfort he had was in the Bible, so he took up the Bible and leafed through the pages. And then a piece of paper fell out. He took that paper. It was a precious letter that he put in his Bible. It was written by John Wesley on February 24th, 1791, when Wesley was 88 years old. And it was only six days before John Wesley passed away. To our knowledge, it was the last letter that John Wesley had written. So you imagine this 88-year-old spiritual giant wrote to this young politician who is in his early 30s. And in the letter, this is what he said. Let me read an excerpt for you. He said, Dear Sir, unless the divine power has raised you up, I see not how you could go through your glorious enterprise in opposing that execrable villainy Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But 
If God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Oh, be not weary of well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of His might. Go on in the name of God and in the power of His might. Encouraged by John Wesley's letter, Wilberforce went on and secured a wonderful triumphant victory and the abolishing of slaves in England was a fact of history. Go on in the strength of the Lord, in the power of His might. Now this statement, oh, don't be weary of well-doing, do not be weary of well-doing, is not original to Wesley. It was the teaching of the Scriptures and the Apostle Paul echoed it. And here in our text, in the last words, and last words are important words, the Apostle Paul is telling the people of God, stand firm and stay strong. And we find in this text two key fundamental principles of how to stay strong in the midst of the storm. The first, don't lose heart. And the second, don't lose heart focus. Two very important keys. Don't lose heart and don't lose focus. Let's examine the first. Don't lose heart. You've got to keep at it. Look at verse 13 again. As for you, brethren, do not go weary of doing good. In my Youth for Christ days, I learned many things as a young man. And one of the key principles I learned that saw me through over the decades, is the principle enthusiasm makes a difference. It's a true principle in life, in leadership, in ministry. Enthusiasm makes a difference. Passion. I was preaching in a foreign city, and one of the pastor's wife with her husband came up to me, and she's a Singaporean. She went over with her husband to minister in that particular foreign city, and she said, I've been listening to your sermon since I was a 14-year-old girl. And now I'm married and have a ministry here with my husband. And then she said, as a 14-year-old, when I hear you preach, and now you're preaching to us, it's the same passion. It's the same passion. I have learned since young, enthusiasm, passion makes a difference. Now here's the question. Do you know what kills enthusiasm and passion? Weariness. It's not some big thing. It's a small weariness and then it eats at you, it grows and then there is derailment. There is a sense of isolation and detachment and disengagement. Weariness. The Apostle Paul says, do not grow weary. The word weary in the Greek, ekakeo, is a very expressive word. Yes, the idea of being beaten down, of being in distress and being in despair. And the Apostle Paul says, don't be beaten down. Stand up strong and stay strong. And so there's this call, and with this call, where he says in verse 13, do not grow weary of doing good. There are four presuppositions that are important. When Paul first said, do not be weary of doing good, he first presupposed that they are already doing good. And so he says to them, keep at it. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. 
Because God who brings you to it will bring you through it. Don't give up. Don't be beaten down. Stand up. Stand firm. Stay strong. And that's something we need in life, in leadership, in every sphere of relationship, marriage, parenting, career. There are circumstances that might be challenging, but stay strong. Never give up. Never lose heart. Don't become weary. Keep at it. The second presupposition is there is a difference between talking and doing. Paul did not say, don't be weary about talking about doing good. No, don't be weary of actually doing good. The words of commendation of Jesus is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The emphasis is done. The emphasis is deeds and doing. We, we don't just think about it, talk about it, discuss it, do it. That's why the commendation is not well taught, thou good and faithful talker. No, it's well done, thou good and faithful servant. Do it. Don't just talk about it. The third presupposition is this is doing it, doing good and not be weary, but keep at it in the midst of all circumstances and any circumstance. Now in the context the church in Thessalonica faced persecution. It was tough. It was difficult. The minute they stood up and said, I'm a Christian, they were persecuted. And so in the midst of that persecution, their faith was rocked and, and the Apostle Paul came and challenged them and said, you are doing well. You are strong in your faith, deep in your love, strengthened in your hope. Now keep at it. Don't lose heart. Don't be weary of doing good. Keep at it. In any circumstance and every circumstance. That's his apostolic call. Don't give excuses. Oh, the circumstances are hard. The good old days are good. There is no such thing. Every circumstance has its challenge, but every circumstance has the presence of God. So don't give excuses like, oh, you don't understand my circumstance, how hard it is. In the old days, it's easier. Every season has its challenge. And the faith principles of standing strong is very key. Of staying true and standing or staying strong is very important. Otherwise, we are giving excuses. I can't do this because of the circumstance. Can't do that because of this difficulty. Can't do that because of these people, uh, these events, uh, these circumstances. Whatever storm you might be facing, keep strong in doing what God calls you to do. Because I promise you, people of God, if God brings you to it, He will bring you through it. So don't use circumstances as an excuse. Circumstances, especially dark circumstances, they are fantastic opportunities for the glory of God to shine through. That's the key in staying true, staying strong. The fourth presupposition we find when the Apostle Paul says, do not grow weary of doing good, 
is an important, very subtle, but very key principle. Weariness can grow on you. Do not grow weary in doing good. It presupposes weariness can grow on you. Nobody go like, I'm serving, I'm serving, I'm happy, I'm passionate, I'm enthusiastic, and then overnight fall. No. It grows very subtly. The discouragement, disenchantment, and then slowly the dark despair and, and disengagement. And in order for us to stay strong in the circumstances of life, in the storm, we must stand to recognize that whatever the circumstance, however we see it might be difficult, God is there and we come to oppose weariness so that we can stay passionate and enthusiastic. Because weariness, if not taken care of, very subtly can grow in us. So here's the question. How do you check weariness? How do you oppose it and counter it? Allow me to give you two pastoral applications. The first, don't run on empty. And the second, cultivate a can-do spirit. Let me elaborate that a bit for you and flesh it out for you. The first, don't run on empty. Because the problem is not the circumstances outside. The problem is the castle of our hearts from within. If we are running on empty, we do not have the strength to oppose the weariness that can creep in. So that's why there is a very important part to keep your spiritual life vibrant, vital. Keep growing in the Lord. Never run on empty. In January 25th, 1990, there was an airplane crash that have become the case study in aviation history. Avianca Flight 52 was flying from Bogota, Colombia to New York City. It never arrived at its destination. It crashed into the hills about 20 miles of JFK Airport. And when it crashed, 65 of the 149 passengers died together with 8 of the 9 crew members. So, why did the plane Avianca Flight 52, why did it crash? Investigators were finding the answer for it. Was it because there was a fire on board? No. Was it because of mechanical failure? No. Was it because they crashed into a bird or crashed into another airplane? No. Investigation found that Avianca Flight 52 crashed because it ran out of fuel. How is it possible that an airline could run out of fuel? They found it was due to poor miscommunication between the 51-year-old captain and his 28-year-old co-pilot and with the control tower, and they were put on a three holding patterns. They were literally running on fumes by the time they were called to, to fly around in a third holding pattern because that day the JFK airport was busy. And because of a lack of urgency and clarity of communications, they found they have no more fuel and the plane crashed into the hills 
20 miles out of JFK. It literally ran on empty. I said this before, I'm going to remind you again. When we are driving a car, we see the fuel tank, we say, oh, F means full, E means enough. We, we never think it's empty, enough, enough. And, and it's a metaphor of how we live our lives. Enough, enough. And we are running on empty. I'm here to tell you, if you want to stay strong in the storm, don't run on empty. If you want to stay strong in the storm, cultivate a vibrant spiritual life. Learn to develop and encourage one another towards a deep devotional life. And by that, I don't mean just go through the motions of devotion. I mean the heart that is transformed and changed. A heart that is rested and true. A heart that God changes. Because He doesn't want to just renovate our hearts. He wants to transform it. We are not into the business of spiritual renovation. We're in the business of spiritual transformation. And the starting point is the transformation of the heart. So never run on empty. Ask the Lord, Lord, this is towards the year end. Let me prepare myself. Let me get ready because next year I want to be full. I want to charge up my tank, uh, the spiritual tank. I want to grow in you. I want to learn what it means to walk a true walk of faith. Spiritually vital, vibrant, enthused, passionate. Learn that, people of God, because it will help you to stay strong in the storm. Do not grow weary. If you run an empty, you will grow weary. The second pastoral counsel I want to give to you is, you've got to cultivate a can-do spirit. A can-do spirit doesn't look at problems and difficulties. No, it looks at potential. It looks at growth. It looks at possibility. It lay hold of the promises of God. Can-do. In the course of the work in the Global Alliance, I talk to different church leaders and pastors. And one common problem I hear among pastors and leaders is, oh, it is so hard to get church volunteers. Oh, it's so hard to get cell leaders. Nobody wants to rise up to lead. Challenge them. Because people do not give their time and the commitment to a need. They give a time and commitment to a vision. Give them the vision. Help them to see the kingdom of God. Help them to see this is worth your life. This is something worth living for. It is larger than your life. It is the kingdom of heaven on earth. There is meaning in life. There is purpose in life. There is destiny in life. And there is the power and the presence and the promises of God at work in our lives. Give them something to live for. And something to stay true to. Don't just say, oh, times are hard, it's difficult. You look at the circumstances. When did we ever learn to look at our circumstances when our focus is upon God? Therefore, don't lose heart and don't lose focus. Keep your focus upon God. Keep your focus on His calling. Keep your focus on His leading. Keep your focus on who He is and what He calls you to. 
your focus must be right. Otherwise, you get discouraged. Once you know what God has called you to, keep at it, develop the can-do spirit, and persevere through it. You know, I started by saying that John Wesley, the, the old spiritual leader, 88 years old, encouraged this young politician. Now I want to give you a page of John Wesley's diary. And, and I, I put it in my phone to remind me of, of the kind of man John Wesley was and, and the, the inspiration that he is. This is a page from his diary. Listen to this can-do spirit, this never-give-up spirit. Sunday morning, May 5th, preacher St. Anne's was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday afternoon, May 5th, preacher St. John's, deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday morning, May 12th, preacher St. Jude's, can't go back there either. Sunday morning, May 19th, preacher St. Somebody Else's, deacon called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday afternoon, May 19th, preach on street, kicked off street. Sunday morning, May 26, preach in the meadow, chased out of the meadow as bull was turned loose during service. Sunday morning, June 2nd, preach out at the edge of town, kick off the highway. Sunday afternoon, June 2nd, preach in a pasture. 10,000 people came up to hear me. Never give up. Don't focus on your circumstances. You often hear me say, in our darkest days, God does His deepest work. We have to learn, don't lose heart, don't lose focus. Keep at it and watch our walk. Now, when we come to the next part of the text, we find the Apostle Paul telling us essentially two things. When he says, don't lose your focus. The first is to watch out for one another, and the second is to anchor in the Lord. Let's look at the first, verse 14 and verse 15. He says, if anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him so that he'll be put to shame. And yet, verse 15, do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now, you note two things here. The first is the position and the posture. The position is a no-nonsense, don't compromise. Watch your work, watch the company that you keep, don't compromise. But the second is the posture. He says now, be gentle. Verse 15, while you correct the unruly members of the church, yet don't regard him as an enemy, admonish him as a brother. The position is strong and clear and uncompromising. The posture is meek and gentle. This position that is strong is like a lion and this meekness is like a lamb. And who is like a lion and a lamb? The lion of Judah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, Jesus, the son of the living God. The lion and the Lamb. In other words, as we watch our walk, as we watch one another, as we, as we take care of one another and protect the community, we have to be clear in our conviction, strong in our conviction. Otherwise, we cannot stay strong in the storm. Otherwise, our convictions will be drifted. 
That is why as the leadership mentor and 25 years as a senior pastor, I'm very concerned about two things, actually three. I'm very concerned about core values, I'm very concerned about doctrine and first principle, and I'm very concerned about true spirituality. Last year's IDMC conference was on core values. This year's IDMC conference was on first principles. And next year's IDMC conference is on the essential principles of true spirituality. You put the trigonometry together, they are crucial. We cannot compromise on these convictions. I once spoke to a pastor, a senior pastor, and I said, there are lines I would draw. Cross the line, I will fight. And then he asked, what kind of lines are that, that if crossed, you will fight? And my immediate answer, core values. Fundamental principles. Doctrine. And when we come to the walk with the Lord, we cannot be compromised and unruly and therefore the body of Christ becomes compromised. But that's the sad state of the global church, people. We become compromised. It's very insidious, it's very subtle, we, we don't even know it. And you know one part of the Christian community that can clearly evidence our compromise? The hymns we sing, hymns are the faith songs of the church. And, and when we sing these hymns, we are singing as it were a declaration of our faith. But somebody very shrewdly noted that what they sing with their lips aloud and what's really in their hearts are two different things. So they posted online, or he or she posted online the twisted hymns. I have adapted ten of them. Let me give you my adaptation. Twisted hymns. Instead of be thou my vision, it's now be thou my hobby. Instead of I surrender all, it's now I surrender some. Once it was stand up, stand up for Jesus, now it's sit down, sit down for comfort. Once it's take my life and let it be, now it's take my life and pay my fees. Instead of spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me, now it's spirit of the living God, fall somewhere near me. Instead of joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Now it's joyful, joyful, we adjure thee. Or I know my Redeemer lives. Now it's I guess and hope my Redeemer lives. Or number eight, what a friend we have in Jesus. Now it's what an acquaintance we have in Jesus. Number nine, where he leads, I will follow, becomes where he leads. I will consider strolling along a little bit. And finally, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Now it's amazing grace, what is the sound? We have lost that sense of spiritual vitality, vibrancy and fervour and it all starts with the human heart. To stay true to the storm is not to change the circumstance, it's to change the heart within. And that heart must be secured and strong in Him. How? Watch the company you keep. Because the company you keep can compromise your faith if they are carnal, if they don't have a strong biblical worldview and a strong passion for the things of God and the kingdom of God. 
Because if the company you keep are strong in these things, you will remain on fire and strong because of the company you keep. But if the company you keep is compromising, if the company you keep is just same old, same old, you become like the company you keep. Watch the company you keep. Protect the community. When Paul says these words, uh, Put them to shame. Have nothing to do with them. It's nothing to do with vindictiveness. It's everything to do with protecting the community and calling them to watch their walk. Because we become the company we keep. How then can this community, this company we keep, be strong in the Lord? That's the second part, anchor in the Lord. And we find that in, in his last words in verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. The peace of God and the presence of God. Peace be with you. The Lord be with you. When we talk about this peace at all times and peace in all circumstances, it can only come when the presence of God is real in our lives. So that whatever circumstance you face, you stand firm and you stay true because God is at the centre of gravity in your life. The last time I spoke to you about standing firm in the storm, I shared at the end of the sermon about this MRI and the brain tumour I had, and then I had to fly off to Africa, and then after Africa, I came back, I went to see the neurosurgeon, and this is what the neurosurgeon said. He said, in the light of the x-ray, i got three news for you. Number one, your tumour is benign, meaning it's not cancerous. That's good news. Second, he said, it does not affect your hormonal functions, because in the pupillary gland, it can affect the bodily functions. He said it doesn't affect that. Your blood test clears that. That's good news. Third, he says the way is located at the bottom of the pupillary gland in the brain. Uh, it doesn't affect your optical nerves. So you won't go blind, otherwise you need immediate surgery. So bottom line, he said, you don't need surgery. We just wait and see. You come back one year later, we do an MRI. I say, praise the Lord. The Lord is good. But what if he has bad news? Then the same answer goes, praise the Lord. Why? Because the peace, the power, the presence of God is still real. God is still on his throne. So that whatever the circumstance, at all times, in all ways, God's peace and God's presence can be with us. How? Listen, when we anchor in him. After the last sermon, when I shared this news, uh, a friend of mine wrote this poem. I want to share this poem with you. I asked permission to share this poem. He says, yes, uh, you have my permission on one condition. Let me remain anonymous. So here's an anonymous poem from an anonymous poet. I call it, he doesn't have a name for this poem, so I titled it Tumor Poem. <laughs> a legion of demons, thousands strong. Death in the tomb for four days long, blind from birth in perpetual night, deliberating sins we desperately fight. When pains and tears exact their toll, we rest in God who's in control. We fight with praise, the war is won, with mighty prayers where faith is strong. For what can stand to his matchless might? 
He shines and saves in glorious light. And he will keep in perfect peace whose hearts belong steadfastly his. So never mind a tumour dread, nor fears of any cancer spread. For Jesus, our Saviour, never loses the one he calls and sovereignly chooses. So let your steady compass be recalibrated unto a redemption joyously celebrated. And let conviction and confidence be in accord that the battle indeed belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. Hey people, if the battle belongs to the Lord, why worry about the storm? Because God is faithful, stands strong in Him. You see, it's all about the heart. There's a poster I came across, it says, Happy moments, praise God. Difficult moments, seek God. Quiet moments, worship God. Painful moments, trust God. Every moment, thank God. It's all about the heart anchored in the Lord. This sense of spiritual vibrancy, commitment, is a reality that we can have if our hearts are set aright. Let me close with this true story. In September this year, Anne and I went to minister in Japan. Pastor Paul Yokota told me a story that impressed and impacted me. It's the story of the 26 martyrs of Nagasaki. And this is a familiar story to the Japanese Christians, but it was the first time I heard it last September. It moved me. There were 26 Christians in Kyoto. And they were captured. It was in an era of persecution in, in the late 1500s. And they were captured and forced march from Kyoto to Nagasaki over 700 kilometers. And they were forced to march that distance to be crucified by the time they came to Nagasaki. And along the way, they were forced march in such a pattern to warn everyone in the towns and route not to become a Christian. And to tell the Christians, you be careful, we are after you. This is how we will treat Christians to persecute them. Along the way, two more joined them, so it became a company of 26. There were four teenagers in that company. The youngest was only 12 years old. The captain of the guard, as it were, had pity upon this 12-year-old boy, called him and said, you, you renounce your faith. You, you renounce Christ. I will set you free. You don't need to be crucified in Nagasaki." And this young boy, only 12 years old, this is why he says, I cannot exchange life in the eternal kingdom for life in this fleeting one. And he would not recant his faith nor renounce his Lord. And he joined the rest in the march to Nagasaki. And when they arrived, this young boy asked, Where's my cross? Listen, 12-year-old, he was ready to die for Jesus. Where's my cross? He asked boldly. Twelve years old. There is something vital, real, true that can help even a twelve-year-old boy stand strong, stand firm, stay strong, stay true. What made the difference? The cross of Jesus. 
If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. He wasn't playing games. And so I lovingly tell you, stop playing games with God. They are so much up for grabs. It's not just a question about dying for Jesus. It's a question of living for Him. And when you live for Him, you can stand firm and stay strong in any storm. Would you bow with me and pray? Lord, in our lives, be glorified. Help us never to lose heart or to lose focus. That we might truly stand firm and stay strong. Oh, Heavenly Father, we ask that this, this joy of the Lord is our strength. Will help us so that we do not grow weary. But rather the reverse. We will grow deeper. We will grow stronger. Help us to focus aright on you this day, O oh God. I believe each time the scriptures is opened, God summons us to a response. And this morning in your heart, God calls you to a response. It's time to mean business with God. It's time to stop playing games with God. It's time to say, Lord, I've only one life to live. Let me live it for your glory. Help me, teach me, grow me, develop me. I want to stay strong. I want to stand firm. And I want to stand firm. And I want to stay strong. If this is the cry and the desire of your heart, I want to pray for you. So wherever you are, if you say, Lord Jesus, teach me to know you more so that I don't have an acquaintance. What an acquaintance we have in Jesus, but what a friend we have in Jesus. I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to follow you. Teach me, O oh God. Help me, O oh God. If this is your cry of your heart, would you raise up your hand? I want to pray for you. Don't do it because others are doing it. Do it because it's a sincere cry. Lord, help me. Strengthen me. Bless me. Heavenly Father, I pray for these hands that have gone up, not just here in Woodlands, but also those online in Bukit Panjan, uh, in, in the East, and also everyone who's watching online, that Lord, you speak to our hearts. Help us to stop playing games with you and being business with you. Help us to end this year right and start a new year afresh. We thank you, dear God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Put down your hands. There are some of you who do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior yet. I want to simply tell you, you can do so. You can know Jesus as your Savior and as your friend. How do you do it? The Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But when we come to believe in Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, we are cleansed. So three simple words we say to God. We say to God, sorry. Sorry I've sinned against you. We say to God, please. Please, Lord Jesus, come into my life. And we say, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Sorry, please, thank you. Make this simple prayer. If you haven't prayed before, to, to open your heart to receive Jesus, make this simple prayer right now. Dear God, I'm sorry I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending Jesus into my life to die on the cross for my sin. Please come into my life, Lord Jesus and save me. If you have made this prayer, 
I'd like you to, to come before the Lord and say, help me to grow in you, to stand firm and to stay strong. If you are in church, speak to someone here, perhaps a friend who brought you or one of the pastors here. But if you are watching online, I want you to write this date and say this date, at this time, I made a decision for Jesus. Tell someone about it. Tell a Christian about it so that they can pray for you and pray with you to seal this commitment you have made unto God. And whatever circumstance you are in, in Christ, you can stand firm and stay strong. God bless you. Church, let us rise and respond. In this song, it says that when we can't see His hand, and when we don't understand His plan, we can trust His heart.
We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word, and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811, or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.